afternoon, everybody. This is Michael Goyazzo, CEO of OpenSea Direct, uh, here with another great conversation for and by event organizers. I am, uh, uh, it is a privilege, pr privilege, if I can speak English, to have the voice of the New York Jets in Español and a uh, longtime veteran uh, sports journalist and our Super Bowl sage today, that uh, Tecago, Puerto Rico, Clemson Smith Muñiz. How are you, sir? Buenas tardes. Good afternoon. I'm doing well. And what about you, Michael? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Um, I'm a native Philadelphian. As you know, you're, you're a Penn Quaker. So the Philadelphia Eagles are, 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 are exciting for us Philly uh, fans. Yeah. So that's good. Well, yes. I, uh, <laughs> so truth be known, I grew up in Puerto Rico. Um, but my late father is from Philadelphia. Which I heard, yes. Germantown. You know so I, I, so He's a Germantown I, guy. Okay, cool. Yeah, so... I I um, I am many things. I uh, I could call myself a Philly Rican. Yes, which I am. Uh, yeah, but I was born in Washington D.C., so that makes me a Washer Rican. There you go. There you go. I like it. And and, like and, it. and but then I'm Smith Muniz, which means I redefine the term wasp. I'm white right. Anglo-Saxon Puerto Rican. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I like it. <laughs> so you cover the bases and. Uh, Again, the great Quakers, they, I remember they were in the NCAA tournament in the late 70s uh, with Tony Price and company. You were there as a student that, or up close to it. No, that's my class. That's my your class. class the, yeah. answer, the answer to the trivia question. Yeah. Last, what was the last Ivy League team to make the final four? Yeah, Tony Price's Quakers, who yeah, lost yeah. to uh, Magic Johnson's Mich uh, Michigan State Spartans. Yes. Yes, that was, right. I, can name, I can name up the starting lineup. There were four seniors and a junior. Tony Price. Yeah. Tim Smith, Matt White, Booney Salters, and uh, Bobby Willis. There you and, go. Uh, and uh, those were the starting five. And it was uh, coached by Bob Stack and um, Bob Weinhauer. And, uh, Bob Weinhauer, yeah. But that team was recruited by Chuck Daly. Yep. I mean, I, yep. I, I, I started, I went to Penn 75 to 79, and, and I got involved in this, the Daily Pennsylvanian, the school paper, the DP. Yes, sir. And I was a sports writer. And... In those days, I could be a freshman, <laughs> freshman sport, a sophomore, and I could walk into Chuck Daly's office to yeah. ask him a game, a question about the game they were playing that weekend against Cornell Brown or whoever. But Chuck right. Daly, who later right. who, who, who recruited that team, but left after my sophomore year to go work for the 76ers and start his professional uh, career. Uh, and we know where that took him, the Detroit, the bad boys and stuff. But mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, I look back and I say I was fortunate, and 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 that and that connection helped me later on when in '92 when I covered the Dream Team, who was the coach, Chuck Daly. Chuck Daly, indeed. And and I could say I could go back to 1975 when I was a freshman, walking into his office in the middle of the afternoon. Hey, Chuck, uh, can I ask you about Brown? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that dreaded Brown lineup, yeah, of the mid 1970s. There you go. So yeah, so obviously a Quaker had that great experience off the bat. And then it took you, obviously, you know, all these different places. But I guess, if you don't mind, as it relates to specifically your current football work and then past Super Bowls. So tell me a little bit more. Uh, when you covered the Super Bowl at first, it seems like some years ago, and then well, as a broadcaster in the 90s, just a little bit of that road, if you don't mind. So I did play football at Penn. I played oh, cool. what was lightweight football, now known as sprint football. Uh, sprint football. Lettered. Yeah lettered four times um i uh, those for those who don't know it's uh it's a varsity sport 
and there's a weight limit. Back when I played, it was it started out as the 150s way back then. In my times, the weight limit was 158. It's it, it was a little bit like wrestling. The honor system we had to weigh in 48 hours before each game, um, and you could sometimes some team and you could bulk up, <laughs> of course, <laughs> over the next two days. Um, right. I was a natural 158 my first two years, and then after that, I had to do. I had to knock off 10 pounds a week to make weight. Um, but I played, yeah, so varsity, I played in Franklin Field. I played in uh, uh, Mikey Stadium and up at Army. I played at uh, Navy's Field at Cornell, uh, Columbia. Columbia was in the league when I first came in. Right. So uh, I played in all these uh, historic places. Uh, I was tight end, wide receiver, uh, played some defensive line. Uh, but I, um, I only caught six passes in, in my four years. Um, uh, but I'll say this, my, my classmate and, um, Steve Galetta, uh, running back, he made the Penn hall of fame. And when he got in, I said, yeah, I'm taking, you know, <laughs> I'm taking credit for the number of times I blocked for you. Yeah, indeed. indeed. <laughs> so, indeed. so that, that's, I, I, I played football in Puerto Rico and I played at Penn. And so I had the background, uh, but when I left for my first job it was a heart for current and I was hired in 1980 for the city desk. And I went straight from college to the city desk, jumping a couple of levels uh, because I needed a bilingual reporter. Hartford, Connecticut back then was had like a 30% Latino population, mm -hmm. mostly Puerto Rican. They had no one in a paper who was fluent in Spanish. So I, I went straight uh, to the city desk and I did news for two years. Uh, and then the, the, the city editor who hired me, Jim Smith, was appointed sports editor. So January 1982, he comes to me and says, would you like to cover the New York Yankees? And I'm stunned because this is 1982. I'm the Woodward and Bernstein generation. I want to win a Pulitzer. I want to be a foreign correspondent. I, sports was not what it was today. It was, it was mm -hmm. considered a toy department. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson were just starting the thing in the, in, in the NBA. It's like, so it, I, I confess, it took me three days <laughs> to say yes. <laughs> I agonized. Yeah. You know, baseball, Yankees, yeah. You know, Reggie Jackson had left. He had gone to the Angels. You know, like, right. eh, eh. And, uh, and, and, you know, I was covering bilingual education. I was doing night cops. And you know, my, my colleagues said, you're crazy. Go back to sports. That's where you belong. So, yeah. so I did the Yankees. I did the Boston Celtics. Um, in 1982, 83, uh, lived in Boston. You know, that was uh, my life for that, that that season. You know, you wake up in the morning, get your coffee, get your muffin. Uh, I lived in Charles Street, right on bottom Beacon Hill. Mm -hmm. and then I would drive to Hellenic College and watch uh, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish scrimmage, elbow, mm -hmm. yell at each other, sit next to Rhett Auerbach, uh, Bob Cousy, Tom Heinsohn, whoever showed up, right. uh, and, and, and just learn basketball. And that, that got me to New York, to the New York Daily News, uh, where I covered St. John's in the Big East for four years. And, uh, you know, I got there for um, Chris Mullen and Patrick Ewing right. last two years. Uh, the Beast of the East. I saw the Beast. I wrote about the Beast. covered the Beast of the East. was in right. Lexington in the, the Final Four where you had St. John's, Georgetown, Villanova. And can you name the fourth team? Uh, Memphis. Yeah, Memphis, back then, Memphis State and their famous Indeed. dancing dancing crew. That's um, right. Yeah. And uh, 
Georgetown beat St. John's and, uh, and Villanova knocked off Memphis State. And then you had that, that uh, wonderful game. And I still remember Ed, Ed Pickney Indeed. dancing on the table after um, that second half where Villanova shot. It was the last year without the shot clock. Yeah, beautiful. Those. It's a it's really a relic of a beautiful game because last of the shot clock, uh, Villanova going what ninety percent from the floor at no, the end. Seven seven for ten. They took only ten shots in the second half. Yeah, unbelievable. Seven for ten, but they played beat, a perfect game. Yeah, know? they beat it's Georgetown. They beat Patrick, and um, and and while I was in New York, I mean, I the, the Big East College Sports was my beat, but. You work for the tabloid back then. The New York Daily News still had a million circulation. It's, it still mattered, right. and it mattered to be in the back page. And and so in my off time, you you covered I, the summer. You did baseball, so I did my right. share of, of sidebars from Shea Stadium. Um, occasionally, more Mets than Yankees. Uh, you helped out with football. I did my sidebars again, and then the tabloid. We wrote 275 words, 250 words. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. You got to be short, tight. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. <laughs> you know, yeah. it Quick. was. But, and uh, and I so I, I stayed in touch with football. I mean, it, it wasn't my beat, but I we had a couple of labor st- uh, short uh, stoppages, and and of course it was when the Giants won the. I was there when the Giants won in '86 for the first time in a long time, and. And then the Jets with Klecko and the sack exchange trying to mm-hmm. be relevant and stuff. And, and, but I, yes, I was, did mostly basketball, did mostly college sports. And after four years of that, I went to a, a sports business startup called Time um, Sports Inc. It was a Times Mirror uh, venture. It last, I lasted 12 months. They lasted 15 months. We yeah, were ahead yeah. of our time before you know, we, we covered sports business, but we were covering everything from agents and contracts to network deals, to sponsorships. They would, you know, we, it was a lot. We, yes, we, it, the, the magazine failed. It was a weekly, but it, it was just at the beginning when people were realizing that sports business mattered. That, yeah, indeed. And, you know, by that time, um, Matt, you had Michael Jordan, NBA, um, sports have become entertainment. And, but I was without a job in, uh, in 80, uh, uh, late 88. And I had been, um, and I had connections. I, you know, I, I knew people. So El País of Spain asked me, uh, do I want to be the New York sports correspondent? <laughs> and why would a paper in Spain want somebody covering sports? Well, because remember, they were getting ready for Barcelona 92. Spain was coming out of the Franco era, mm-hmm. um, embracing the European Union, embracing the 20th century. Uh, basketball right. is... Right. You know, soccer is 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 a deporte rey, but basketball is very important in Spain. And we had Larry, we Indeed. had Magic, we had Michael, and in those days we didn't have the internet, so they were going right. to wire. So this this would be the routine. Uh, Larry would go off for fifty. They would go on wires. Larry Bird scores fifty points. Celtics beat so and so, and they wake me up at six in the morning, which was then was noon, and say, "Can you whip out twenty five lines, thirty lines about what?" <laughs> Larry Bird did last night, and I would have to, you know, tune on ESPN Sports Center 
uh, the old classic sports center and watch the highlights and yeah 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 and 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 write something um poetic about uh, Larry Bird remember when you write for European newspapers you're a sports writer they you're more a a drama of food critic a film critic gotcha they don't believe in quotes they they want your appreciation of the game Right. So it's a different style. So you, so yeah. So I had to write this, so, and um, but that's how I transitioned from English language media to Spanish language. Started, you know, writing on a regular basis for El País, and that opened the doors. And even though I covered the '92 Olympics, and that was my last great hurrah in print, um, end of '91, '92, I ESPN at lunch, uh, ESPN International broadcasting out of Bristol, Connecticut, broadcasting to Argentina, Uruguay, and Chile. And they needed, they, they, they had Spanish language announcers, but these were voiceover uh, artists and nobody was a sports background. And right. a friend knew a friend. I, we met for lunch and I went to Bristol and that's how I got into broadcasting. And given my background, I played football, I played basketball, I took to the the so-called American sports. Right, indeed. I, I, I knew them. You know, everybody else, they, they, they go to soccer. Right. But I, I, I knew baseball, I knew football, I knew basketball. And right. that's, that's where I, I, I carve. I didn't, I, er, you know, everybody in Latin America is a soccer coach, <laughs> soccer expert, <laughs> soccer announcement. I can, yeah. It's a, so I did not go there. I have called a competitive called market of that, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, and um, and back then, you know, even though we were, you know, this is, I, I got to broadcast Monday Night Football and Sunday Night Football uh, uh, for Latin America. And that's how I honed my broadcasting skills, how I got back into the game, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, along with Alvaro Martin and, and others who were still broadcasting. Uh, uh, yeah, but I was, I was a, in a sense a pioneer. And the reason I didn't stay at ESPN is that Alvaro, Alvaro Martin and I became good friends. And in 1993, we, we look around. And for some reason, no one was broadcasting in Spanish in New York. The Yankee and Mets had done it over the years. Yeah. It's baseball. Yeah. Right. But there was, at that, in that time, there was no team broadcasting their games there was a void not even in baseball so we decided to become partners and we started cold calling and we called the knicks and i'm talking i forget the the person somebody in marketing whatever and i say i'm calling here because we think you should be broadcasting the knicks in spanish and there's silence on the other other side and finally the question do latinos like basketball Right, right. <laughs> and I began my spiel. And, and ba- basically, my, my basic point, look, if you're from the Caribbean, baseball is your first love. If you're from the rest of Latin America, it's going to be soccer. But basketball is everybody's second sport. Right. And then I started listing, you look, know, at that time, half of the FIBA World Championships were held in Latin America, in, you know, including in Puerto Rico. And, you know, it's, and it, it took us a year and a half. You know, it, it took us a lot of knocking the doors, even knocking on David Stern's door. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get the Knicks to to say, okay, let's try this, and we 
they gave us a chance during the playoff run in 1994. And uh, uh, that was uh, the Knicks went, they played 25 or 27 games, uh, not 25 or 26 possible games. Uh, they beat the, the Nets in, in, um, in four games in the first round, best out of five. And then they went to f- the full seven against Indiana, Chicago, and then Houston losing in game seven. Game seven yeah. 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 So, and, and, and that was, that was a great introduction. I mean, you, yeah, you start broadcasting the Knicks. Um, and how did that lead to football? Well, at, at that time, MSG network mattered at that time. They still had the Yankee rights. They still, so by broadcasting the Knicks that opened doors to MSG network, we did, um, uh, we did the, the Yankees and the Mets on Telemundo 47. We did baseball. You know, they were, games would be in English on cable TV. We would be broadcasting in Telemundo 47. It would be a, what we call a side-by-side production. Yeah. We shared the, most of the cameras. We had two or three. Four, we had our own production truck, our own producers, own director, own you know team, obviously smaller in size, but a couple of uh, separate cameras. So we would in the, So it would be shared but independent. And right. everything in Spanish, and and then MSG Radio got the rights to the Jets in 2000, and they asked me, "Do you want to do the Jets by that play?" And I've been lucky to survive all the changes, and here I am, 23 years later, broadcasting football. But I, I the Jets, has, you know, I, I focus on local. I did the I did the Knicks for 20 years. St. John's in Espanol. Thank you, with. Um, a lot of gratitude to Luis Felipe Lopez, the second Dominican uh, to make the NBA. Oh, Rice Rice High School, St. John's. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did St. John's in Espanol too. And uh, I done Army Army football in Espanol. I, a, a lot of first, a lot of New York teams broadcast in Spanish. But the football is my experience. So I, you know, I did ESPN. I started doing the Jets, and I was lucky to do. Sunday night and Monday night radio packages, remote broadcasting, but it was national radio for Jones mm-hmm. uh, Network, followed by um, Westwood One, followed by Univision. And that's how, uh, you know, El País took me to my first two Super Bowls, and then Univision Radio took me back to my next next two. And uh, that's great. And, and now I'm, I'm, I'm only local. There's no there's no national. No one has the national radio rights in Spanish. It, it sounds amazing. Uh, I mean, Incredulous, yeah. but um, but yeah, but I uh, I've done my share of of, of of big games. Indeed. So take us back to this. Would be a great chance to talk about how those '70s Super Bowls, your experience uh, covering them, attending them, compared to the '90s Super Bowls as a broadcaster. So. Tell us a little bit about those those experiences of the the first Super Bowls you attended and covered. So let's switch a timeline. So okay, where you know I, I I'm a college student watching the '70s. Uh, well, you remember the Eagles? I mean, uh, you grew up rooting for the Phillies, right? Yeah, indeed, yes, sir. So you know the Phillies' claim to fame is that they're the team, still the team that took the longest to win their first World Series. Indeed, right? They born in 1902 and didn't win until 1980. And I went to college, so I was there watching Lusinski, Schmidt, Boa, and Carlton, and Boone, and, and losing in the playoffs every year. Okay, and I, and I moved to Hartford, and they finally win. But, yeah, they win. And then who gets to the Super Bowl that year? The Eagles. Indeed. But they lost to the Raiders. 
Right, Jim Plunkett's <laughs> Raiders, yeah, indeed. Yes, yes. So, but so yes, we watched the Super Bowl from afar. Um, I went in Puerto Rico. We, I was, I mean, Puerto Rico's a baseball country, but you know, Super Bowl. I remember we, Super Bowl Sunday. We it was uh, there mm-hmm. were viewing parties. So, but the first two Super Bowls I covered in person were um, Super Bowl Twenty Four, January Twenty Eighth, Nineteen Ninety, Louisiana Super Bowl. Sorry, Louisiana Superdome. That right. was the uh, San Francisco Denver matchup, Montana against um, Elway. Uh, the beatdown, 55 10. Uh, you know, Montana, 297 yards, five touchdowns. Jerry Rice, seven catches, 148 yards, three catch. And Elway got beat up. You know, he had uh, two interceptions, four sacks, uh, only completed 10 of 26. Uh, and and I, you know, I regularly, yeah, I recall the, the beatdown, but for me, the, 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 my memories of that trip, it's last minute credentials. El país saying, hey, can you, can you make it to Super Bowl for, to cover this game? And why is it Spain? Again, El país is interested in everything Americana. So right. I did not cover the NFL, but we had to cover the Super Bowl because it's more than just a game, it's an event, it's a party. Indeed, and it yeah. was in, in NOLA. <laughs> Okay, so, and fortunately, I, I got the last-minute credential. I fly from New York and get there, I think, on Thursday. I, uh, You know, most people get there the week before. No, I got there last, uh, and my first trip to NOLA. Um, so it's always anticipation, and, and you're going parties, jazz, food. You know, what, where do I start? Um, right. It was a whirlwind, whirlwind, whirlwind trip. But I recall the worm hospitality, and I remember uh, the volunteer who uh, gave me the credentials and greeted me at the hotel because that's part of the routine is you fly in, you check in your hotel, you go to the media center, you got to pick up your credentials and get your schedule, right. the, the packet, all this stuff. And she, and it's this, you know, middle aged woman, and she said, But we're having a crawfish boil. Would you like to come? She invited me to her house for a party. And what is a crawfish boil that is the most new orleans party Indeed. it's they crawfish is your little your think of a you know type a type of french construction and they take the they take a big pot when i say big pot it's going to be sometimes taller than you, <laughs> you know no, no, indeed. Indeed. yeah and it's crawfish potatoes corn and it's and in good spanish we call un asopado <laughs> right 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 it's a stew um but the way they serve it is they usually do it, they, 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 they preferably outdoors, but you can do it indoors. They take the table, they cover it with newspapers, they bring the pot, and they turn it upside down <laughs> and dump it on the table. And then right. you're supposed to walk up with your plate and you pick and you start to, you start eating. Now, this uh, this was just, again, this was just a volunteer yeah, who happened to be local and say, hey, why don't we invite you to this? It wasn't yes, a, yeah. a form. Now, people know Super Bowl, the more modern take of, Super Bowl is is similar to like the NBA All Star Game and such, where there is corporate sponsored parties and you know, they, big they, events they, left and right. Yeah. yeah, but no, I Maxim just, and you know, but, Shaq has a party this year, that kind of thing. You know, but but so then but, it was out oh, the volunteers that come to my house, you know, come to my party, have a good time, right? Exactly, but these are casual events. But this is this is the thing about a party. I mean, somebody throws a party, but then there's a spinoff. So this right. was a this was a fortunate fortuitous spin-off somebody who took who wanted to be nice to me a stranger first time in nola 
come right. to my house and enjoy the crawfish boil. Yeah, so, uh, yes, I and again, 1990 Super Bowl was a big event, but it's much bigger now. And uh, but I found this this is this is this is a warm memory. And yeah, indeed. And 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 this happens at every Super Bowl. I mean, that this these it, I, I I think if if you if you go with the flow, right? It, I, I went with the flow. And and didn't worry about oh my god I got to be here no no it's, go ahead and um uh it, <laughs> so that that's that's my more than music more than anything else that's my my warmest memory of that Super Bowl mm-hmm. I saw the game from the end zone high up <laughs> so you you know so Montana and Elway you look small look like little toy soldiers mm-hmm. uh, yes I remember the route um, I had mm-hmm. to look up the stats. <laughs> And um, but yes, it it's it, it was it was a big event because it's a Superdome. It was a lot of people in the um, but in the early nineties, the Super Bowl was not as big as as it's gotten to be, or as Indeed. special special events have gotten to be. Do you recall, um, you know, digging back in your uh, memory banks, uh, what media day looked like? Let's say in nineteen in. 1990 Super Bowl context related to, you know, years later and even reading about it today. Well, I, I missed the first media day. Uh, okay. But but you read about it. I think the media day now, it's 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 gone from one day to two days. Uh, it, it's it's a scrum. Right. And and so you have to decide. It depends. Are you working radio? You're working TV? Are you working print? Are you working online? You know what's your angle? What story you want to tell? There are always stories to tell. And do you want to? So this year, we got Mahomes in Kansas City. We got Jalen Hurts in the Eagles. So do you want to write about the stars, or do you want to write about the Kelsey brothers? You sort of got to figure out what can I get out of here um, that is different and. This goes back to later on. I was you know, when I worked for Univision Radio. See, first time I went as a print reporter. You, it is uno del montón. You're one of many. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you work for a broadcast partner, you get certain privileges. You get a- certain access that are not given to everybody because yeah, you Univision broadcasts the NFL Indeed. nationally for during the season, and. Right. And so you were you could participate um, in 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 interviews with coaches and you know as part of your pre- preparation and get access to players, um, but it's media day. You know back then the nineties again there were I was international media um, arriving for the weekend as opposed to arriving for the full ride. Next year I went to Tampa uh, for the Giants Buffalo matchup. The famous uh, wide right, except it took me a moment to realize it because I was sitting all at midfield this time, but all the way up, just you know, I could I could lean back and fall out of the right. stadium, and I'm watching the ball travel right to left, and uh, it was hard to tell what happened. To, to, you know, I couldn't see the officials, and it was like it took me a moment to figure out the roar of the crowd whether he made it or miss it. <laughs> But it was, yeah, and 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 because Scott Norwood missed wide right, Buffalo missed a chance to win. That's its best chance to win a Super Bowl. Indeed. Giants twenty twenty to nineteen, and that was um, cemented Bill Parcells, a legend, and uh, uh, 
And uh, but see, Tampa was different. Now Tampa, it's 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 uh, it had a more Latino flavor to it, but uh, it, it well, Tampa's a small city. The parties were more spread out. Uh, okay. I I I that one I spent. I stayed with good friends that I grew up with from Puerto Rico, and mm-hmm. just went to the, the official of, you know, events I had to the, the uh, and so that one I again, I it, it was not we had not yet had um, the it, Super Bowl was yeah it was big and you had all the corporate parties and events but right. I, I was. My role, I'm describing a party to Spain. So my role was different. My, my, my role Indeed. was to catch a flavor of, exactly. you know, what, why, why Tampa. So, you know, what's the difference with uh, New Orleans and, right. and, and how, how does, and it's sort of a sense, you know, sort of building up people, what to expect when you throw the party at Barcelona Olympics in two years. Okay. Right. Indeed. Um, no, then you would, you would sort of allude as well that uh, I think someone who's never attended a Super Bowl. We not realize is that every city has its own sort of logistical layout, just the reality of that city. So you always hear, for instance, that um, Indianapolis is easier logistically as a fan because everything is like within a couple blocks of each other. Whereas fast forward to the uh, Super Bowl recently at MetLife Stadium, New York area outdoors, all the parties are Manhattan. You know what I mean? And people oh, are taking shuttles to each other. So let's let's so go to the next a different line, you know, lineup. You know. So Michael, go to the next one. So I so I. After that, I, I, all the broadcasting, I never got to a Super Bowl again until uh, February 4th, 2007. Uh, right. Super Bowl 41, when after nine seasons and two MVPs, Peyton Manning finally got to the big event. Indeed. Finally made it. And, the, and, and the Colts, even though Manning didn't play that well, uh, he beat the Bears 29-17. And, but, dude, it's Miami. You don't need a Super Bowl to party. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I was there with Univision Radio, so we were broadcast partners. Um, there was Univision in, the, in Miami's Univision's home base, so there were there were other parties to go to. <laughs> right, right, now, exactly. Yes. So there, so there, yeah, it's a big. I, I do recall the big, uh, the media days. You know, it just again because I was broadcasting in radio, I I just watched. And you and you walked the table. I was watching the scenes. You know who who had the most reporters on the table, right. um, who drew attention. This was if you were if you all remember, this was New England's perfect season. Indeed, yeah, yeah. sixteen and zero going uh, into. No, sorry. I mean that was the next that was the next year at that forty two. But I mean we're in Miami. This is in, in the Colts and the Bears and stuff. And this Peyton Manning. Right. Um, uh, I will say this. So what are my memories? I went to. I went to dinner and I had an Al Davis sighting. The late you know, Al, Al Davis. Davis. Al Davis having Raiders supper. Owner, that's right. Yeah, but yes, and and it's like okay, you've been made. <laughs> yeah, I said Al Davis. Yes, it's just like, and you sat there, you watched a parade of people saying that oh, Al Davis, and uh, for those who Al Davis owned the Oakland Raiders, he's a founder member of the AFL. He was a colorful, controversial character, uh, a uh, a pioneer, visionary. Uh, and, and yes, it's, it's, it's you, you, I, no, I did not go up and ask Al Davis for a photograph, but I sat there and enjoyed the show. And, yeah, indeed, indeed. And, uh, but this again, being Miami, it's spread out to your point. Parties mm-hmm. are everywhere. And 
and you don't need to revolt a party well in, in, in Miami. So it, you, 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 it gave you options. You, you sort of like, okay, what do we want to do today? What do we go? Oh, you go to the official party and then you move on. And, right. um, and, 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 and the game, you know, sort of remember, uh, uh, again, it's Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning's coronation. But right. he, he did not play that well. The game open was a Devin Hester 92-yard kickoff return. That, right. that, that put the Bears up. Um, and I recall the weather not being great, too. That was yes, a, a Super Bowl where the weather was not the best, right? No, and, and, and it was raining, which leads to, you know, the, to my actually all-time favorite, one of my favorite sporting memories. So I broadcast a game with Rafael Hernandez Brito who was okay. the university sports director, actually somebody I helped break in. So one of my mentees, you know, I, I was working, I was working color, supposed to play that play. I was color. It was Rafa and myself broadcasting the game, but at halftime mm-hmm. Rafa took off. So I worked halftime with Fernando Fiori, who is a Univision uh, sports personality, a host of shows, uh, well known. And he was there. Yeah. The, the, one of those extra credentials we get for people who are not really working, but <laughs> the part. So, but Fernando, he was going to work halftime, and it was raining uh, lightly, and we right. start the halftime. Welcome, uh, we give the score, start stats, and then Prince comes on stage and starts playing, mm-hmm. and then Prince starts playing "Purple Rain," and it starts raining while he's playing. He's playing Purple Rain in the Rain. Indeed. And Fernando, Fio- and Fernando Fiori and I, who are roughly the same age, same generation, grew up with Prince, we dropped football. And we called play-by-play of Prince playing Purple Rain in the Rain. Mm, there you go. That was our halftime. Yeah, indeed. Because it was the rain got harder, and Prince didn't stop. He kept going. And I, for me, that's still the best halftime sh- halftime show ever in Super Bowl history. Yeah. I know there are other candidates and we can have a good, we can have a a day-long debate about but the fact that nobody got on us for forgetting about football and (laughs) talking about Prince playing Purple Rain in the Rain. Right. That was, that's, that's my Super Bowl 41 memory. That's great. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, and Peyton Manning won. But <laughs> oh, by the way, yeah, indeed. by the way. <laughs> and then, and you being uh, in the New York City, uh, you know, voice of New York City football for many years, then you had the famous next Super Bowl so as you that, mentioned, where the Patriots going undefeated and didn't come out undefeated. You know? Yeah. So that so my next Super Bowl was February third, two thousand eight, uh, University of Phoenix Stadium, Glendale, Arizona, and um, that was when the Giants were. Uh, undefeated, and they were facing off with the Giants. Eli Manning, Tom Brady, Eli Manning, and um, whatever we call about that, the perfect game, um, and David Tyree's imperfect catch to give to keep the drive alive. Uh, if the Giants won a game, seventeen fourteen, because Eli Manning found classical Burris for thirteen yard touchdown with thirty five seconds to go. Right. I mean, it was that. It's one of the most dramatic games, Super Bowl endings. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I, I think I got more excited over David Tyree's uh, uh, catch. 
because Eli Manning almost got sacked. Uh, he oh, he had a turn. He had a run. You know, it's like it was one of those broken plays. Uh, uh, sure. um, Hail Mary passes, uh, one-handed catch in a helmet, you know, and, th and then uh, so the Bears touchdown was a uh, icing and a cake, but it, 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 we're in Arizona uh, and again, it's, we talk about logistics. It's uh, the West, so it's parties and the car, corporate sponsors, every, everything is spread out. Mm -hmm. Weather, Weather's nice, uh, but then you need a car to get around. Right. And then you got to pick. And um, I, you know, I'm an outdoor guy, so I, I, I spend some of my time hiking and mountain biking. Right. <laughs> and enjoying the weather. Uh, I remember the, the, the hot baths. Uh, um, but I mean, you can't get away. I mean, you're, you're in town. Uh, and uh, and a running theme through all this, when you tell the people you're here to cover the Super Bowl, uh, and this happened every listen you can be a print reporter tv person radio person they the people are asking hey can i carry your bags hey can i be your stat man hey how, <laughs> do, how do i get in yeah <laughs> like like um like if i know miguel collazo <laughs> right 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 you didn't exist back then right exactly exactly um but uh in one sense these big parties it's a bunch of activities and you can't, you cannot go to all. You have right. to decide what do you want? What's your flavor of the day? Right. And if you're, if you're networking, then you're going to one kind of party. If you want to have fun, you're looking for the best music and best, best food. Right. Um, it's, uh, it, 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 and I think the, the, the setting, you know, that you're right. Logistically, is it easy to get around? Which is why New Orleans is probably the best, right. best site for for any kind of major event. Yeah, and I think that, um, again, everyone would have their own opinion, but I think anyone who's been to or has covered enough Super Bowls or talked to a lot of people, there are certain cities that are seen as just logistically cooler for the fan, more easy, like more accessible, easier. New Orleans is, I mean, right near the top. Obviously, weather plays a part where despite New York, you know, New York market, East Rutherford years ago, getting it most of the time, the idea is LA, Miami, Tampa, New Orleans, you know, keep it simple, keep it in nice weather, hopefully. And Vegas will be soon a perennial market for obvious reasons. Um, and, yes. And, uh, and if Jim Dolan, the owner of the Knicks and Madison square garden hadn't been successful in preventing Woody Johnson and the jets building a stadium in the West side, then you know that would have been yeah having a that would have been in, yeah yeah in New York where you, yeah you could take the subway or walk or take Uber it's ten minutes right. fifty minutes yeah um, no that would have naturally exactly that would have, in that scenario that would have naturally been a, a a go to destination no question about it yes no question about it uh, yeah no it's 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 and but this is every league follows the same playbook in terms of big party. I've covered also my share of NBA finals and all-star games and yeah, good call. Um, yeah. And, 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 and in fact, I think the, the NBA was, uh, was first. I mean, they, they set the stage in the early nineties, uh, with fine tuning the corporate appeal, having a specific sponsor for a specific type of party and, mm -hmm. and, um, 
and bringing in entertainers and bringing in the music and mm-hmm. and the NFL picked up on that uh and uh, and and the, the difference is that all-star game is a weekend you know NBA finals is harder because you're changing sites the super bowl is you know we're right. all a neutral we're, site you plan a year ahead of time or years ahead of time yeah you know, years ahead of time and 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 bingo and you can do there and Indeed. so what to expect so people are going to show up you know reporters are going to show up next sunday monday morning you go check in get your hotel make sure you got your rental car you go to the media center make sure you got your credential make sure your credential has the access you need <laughs> yeah, indeed. And I'm not sure if you've you come across in covering it just to share sort of like a ticketing difference in this conversation. You're coming from the standpoint of, you know, media person covering or broadcasting the game. But it's funny you mentioned Clemson, the, the process of checking in the hotel. In your case, you were even greeted uh, with uh, by someone regarding credentials and those who buy tickets. That's a pretty similar experience in that people will let's say someone bought tickets on the secondary market. They you know, this Super Bowl obviously doesn't go on public sale for regular people. These are, as you know, probably Clemson uh, allotments go to the league and the sponsors. So never goes. It, it's never on Ticketmaster or someplace for someone to buy. It, uh, there's an allotment for this sponsor, allotment for every team, allotment for the coaches, allotment for the players. And so tickets become available because brokers or people make deals with these people to buy tickets to resell. So when people buy it, yeah, they, they have a some experience where they're checking a hotel and whoever they purchased from, they're arranging for delivery at their hotel in most cases, actually. And you probably know this well, where, hey, you know, give me your room number on th- whenever I get tickets, which will be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever the window they've given their client. And they're personally knocking on the door, as you had from a press standpoint, Clemson, to say, hey, here it is. Sign a release that I gave you your tickets. See you later. Now, there's a mobile environment now, so that changes to some degree. But there's still, at least traditionally, there have been commemorative you know, printed tickets that were delivered in that way. But um, it, it, you probably it, got a whiff a bit on the media side, but that's, it's pretty know, similar it, from, let's say, a ticket buying standpoint. You know? pe- pe- people are hustling and they're, yeah, yeah. They're, it's, uh, and um, I mean, we get asked for tickets, but I, I, it's, I don't have access. I have credential, you know, credentials yeah, exactly. on picture. And, it, and, and nowadays the credentials are 3D. Uh, and another big difference from the 90s to, to, Security, you know, Security. after after nine uh, eleven, um, things change, and you know now you got to show up at the stadium three or four hours ahead of time, and mm-hmm. um, and you have to walk through not one or but two or three security points, and everything's checked. Uh, it, it's uh, yeah, the digital world has made it easier to transfer tickets, uh, and I guess it. it, it, it Sports writers don't get, um, or people covering the event, sports writers, TV, radio, whatever, they right. don't get bothered as much. Um, and yeah, people asking, can you can you sneak in? No, sir. And from three three security checkpoints would tell you that's not going to work. Yeah, right? no, I mean, I, you, you got to sneak in like an, I think in catering truck, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the beer delivery truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 you, to walk around, you got to have a um, credential hanging from your neck, right? And um, okay. and. Uh, but uh, it's I people ask me the difference between print and broadcasting, and 
I, the all the work in broadcasting, all the work is before the game. And once the game ends, you're done. Right. As opposed to uh, print uh, and online reporters who have to game ends. That's when you start your work. You got to get your quotes, you write your story, print, et cetera, et cetera. So I, um, I, yeah, you can, you can party after the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I guess that's a big difference. You know, after the first two Super Bowls I cut, I I covered, I had to go back and sit down and compose the story. Uh, you know, I couldn't. Uh, I could get a bite to eat. I mean, I, I had some time given the time difference, but I was Spain is six hours ahead, and they they wanted early, and so right. I. Uh, but when I did radio, the game's over. I can look at Rafael, shake his hands, say, good job, and wh- where are we going now for to eat? Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> Where's the party? Right. No, that's right. That's right. And, 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 and so I, as much as I love my print days and enjoy them and ha- have wonderful stories, it's being a broadcaster, um, it comes with some privileges. Yeah, indeed. No, and then I guess it would be a cool comparison. You obviously covered uh, the legendary Barcelona Olympics in 1992 for El País, correct? For El País, yes. So you want to so, know the difference between a Super Bowl and an Olympics? At least from your vantage point, yeah. It's a, it's a party every day. <laughs> it's so a it's Super a, Bowl. It's a, it's, no, I, it's, my, it's a Super Bowl for two weeks or whatever it is. <laughs> 17 days. Yes, 17 um, days, yeah. But I was Prince. But I, I have warm memories. I, I think the 92 Barcelona Olympics will always be among the most special Olympics. I know the IOC every time um, at the end of the Olympics, I say this was the best ever or whatever. That's the standard pro- proclamation. But the historical and social significance of Barcelona was that it was the first open Olympics. You may recall in 1980, you had the, the U.S. boycott because the Russians invaded Afghanistan. Afghanistan, yeah. And and then in 84, the Russians and the Eastern Bloc retaliated. And even though the 84 Olympics were considered a success, and then 88 was so so old, but you still had the, Russia was still intact. Russia had broken down. So in 92, you had all these new countries coming in. And so it was the beginning of this phase where every Olympics had more and more new countries. So it's, it's, it's the first of the open Olympics. And Luciana, Luciana, um, think of the Baltic states showing up, uh, having right. their own basketball teams as opposed to playing part of the Russian national team. Indeed. So you had that vibe. Uh, also, it's Spain making the transition from Franco to the 20th century to the European Union. Uh, back then, you still, I still used pesetas to buy, and the dollar was very strong, and it was a great, great time to. But Spain was about to enter the, the European Union and and um, and embrace modernism, and I worked for El País, which is the New York Times, the Washington Post of Spain, a national paper, large paper, most important paper, paper that was born during uh, the Franco regime in the 70s, and um, and 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 to. And most of the reporters, they had good reporters, but also good good writers. The style is different. Uh, you know, you Indeed. write. Um, writing sports, my first graph was like a summary. or And then and then I was more like a critic as opposed to a, a classic American sports writer. I, I, right. I only quoted people if it was important. I used more quotes than my colleagues because 
that was my background but i had to i wrote differently so when you work for the hometown paper which we were right uh every day is a big day and, and in the olympics the home country usually enjoys unprecedented success winning gold medals uh, they had the home field advantage so we would have like right. 10 o'clock editorial meetings plan out the day this is these are the storylines this is what we're looking for these are the events um and we had the dream team we had carl lewis last olympics we, we had a lot of things going on and from the american Indeed. side michael johnson uh but plus and of course a spaniard would win a gold medal every day so there weren't there weren't your plans <laughs> There went to front page. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> and I, when you cover print back then, print when I covered those Olympics, we, and this being Spain, where you eat late, look, we would put the paper to bed at two, go have supper. There would be a restaurant waiting for us, right? And we would, you know, get home four four thirty, sleep four or five hours, get up, go back to the ten o'clock editorial meeting, and start a day all over again, and. um we didn't didn't get to party because we were working, but we yeah we had we had our, we had dinner every night, um, and it's it when a home country does well, yes, it's 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 a Super Bowl party every day because mm. there's a there's a vibe you know that's you whether it's winning a Spaniard winning a goal for Spain or you know you move on it. The, when the Olympics comes back to the states, the same thing. An American wins gold. That it, it it's a collective experience. And um, and I I was and I was 1992. Other importance is the dream team. And I think it was un, when the dream team finally got to Barcelona. They were underplayed. They were almost ignored. And the reason for this is. When the Olympics started opening up, you may recall the three traditional, the three important sports were track and field, swimming, and gymnastics. Gymnastics, Indeed. right? And the Olympics were opening up, and but back then in the early '90s, creating a dream team was a big story. I went with them to I was in Oregon for the Tournament of the Americas and the debut of the dream team. I went with them on in Europe. I was in Monte Carlo with the dream team. I, you know, I saw people, Monte Carlo, where they used to royalty, they used to actors, they, they went crazy, right. or Michael, like, uh, and Magic, and Larry, and and David Robinson, and Clyde Dexter, and, and everybody. The rest, yeah. Um, um, and in fact, um, one of my favorite Dream Team stories is in Monaco. Uh, uh, we were at, um, we were at, at the Hotel Casino, and I think it was, uh, um, and Monte Carlo, I mean, drinks cost like 20 bucks back then. So you buy a drink, you, you know, you're a reporter, you buy a drink, you sit by the bar, you nurse it. But I remember Michael Jordan was playing blackjack. This is before we knew Michael Jordan was like to get, like to play. Like to play. Him. Yeah, indeed. And, but, but they're in Monaco and he's sitting by himself. I found that astounding. Michael Jordan playing blackjack by himself, five hands at the same time, playing 50 francs. I mean, playing serious money. Yeah, indeed. And, but he's only one at the table. And so we watched him for a while. And it wasn't, it's not very exciting, but <laughs> okay, what's, and, and, and we should have known better. I, I agree. But Michael played, okay, maybe he's in Monte Carlo. He likes, you know, and then all of a sudden, and I looked down 
the casino. And think of classic European ballroom, high ceilings, chandeliers, a lot of glass, a lot right. of glitter, people dressed up. And there's David Robinson, who's seven two, standing up above everybody, wearing a black T-shirt, hands crossed. It looks like a like of a crane. You know, it's like peering over everybody. I said, well, yeah. that's 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 a montage. And all of a sudden, there's a roar, and Magic Johnson jumps up and high fives David Robinson <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of <laughs> the casino. And the place is going crazy. What happened is Magic was playing, rolling the dice. And he got on a, on a hot run, a five, 10 minute run. Right. Just rolling the sevens. I mean, and um, and I remember we we all stopped watching Michael Jordan playing blackjack myself and went to watch Magic Johnson going crazy at the crap table. Yeah. And, and I know middle level, NBA guys, you know, got got guys who made forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, who just started riding the streak with magic, and came away with several thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just like uh, uh, it was showtime at the blackjack. It was showtime exactly, at the, at the exactly. Table. Good, good, good metaphor. But magic just, but I mean, he went in and it just, and every time he rolled it, he'd jump up and high five David Robinson. <laughs> And you know there's these black Afro Americans uh, taking over the center of a state Monte Carlo casino, right? And uh, having a good time, and people just uh, lapping it up and enjoying the show and 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 pretending that this is normal everyday thing, and and uh, uh, and that was the effect of the dream team. I mean they. They were idols. They basketball, I, more than any other sport, American sport, I think, made made sports entertainment. And it was because mm-hmm. it started with Magic and Larry, and then Michael came along to take it up to the next level. And then every other sport, okay, we, we got a playbook. Let's take advantage of it. Right, right. Uh, but my point is, the lead up to this was yes, everybody great. Charles Barkley. The once they got to Barcelona. All the editors, Olympic editors, came out of the woodwork. You know, every four years they would come and take over the papers, and these were traditionalists. So they were mad that these pros were spoiling the party. Mm. So once they, they got to Barcelona, it's like, nah, you know, they're going to win. It, it, it doesn't count, and they try to and they underplayed the dream team. Interesting. You think that was just was that an international press phenomenon? Is that was an American, Na- American no. and international? Everybody. Both. Okay. Yeah, guilty okay. del país. Yeah, you know, guilty. Everybody. Yeah, you're, you're thinking of all the sports. Yes, I mean, track yeah. and field was Carl Lewis last Olympics. Right. And in another Olympic moment. So I got. And it was and there was controversy as a fan. Remember, recalling the controversy of oh, the Americans want to rig the game. The argument against it was, hey, you guys start losing. You know, they had the embarrassment in 1988. Um, yes. Even Puerto Rico beat U.S. the Pan Am Games in Cuba yes, in the yes. early '90s, things like that. So then the concept was, well, you of course, even though other countries had had pro players leading up to '92 a little bit, it was basically, oh yeah, now you guys want to rig the games. You're not winning anymore, so now you're going to bring the greatest team ever assembled. But in fact, as you said, it really um, it was it was the best for basketball internationally, no question. Because you spread the game, 
Yeah, and, exactly. and, and, you know, people looked up to these basketball players, and it's exactly. wonder it, 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 the all archaic arguments is the difference between pros and amateurs. No, amateurs were pros. They yeah, were supposed to be paid by a team owner. They were paid by a company or paid by somebody else. No, exactly. It, right. it was it was hypocrisy, and 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 the dream team helped basketball help break down those barriers and open up sports to everybody. There's Indeed. no, and and but it also helped grow the game. Because look at basketball now. Look Indeed. at all international. Hundred percent. Look at the, yeah. Lucas. Lucas in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, with all these triple doubles. I mean, um, every there's an international player in almost every game. Gianni's in Milwaukee. Exactly. All all these stars today are heirs of the dream team, and that's my point. And and we sort of like didn't realize that back in 1992. Charles Barkley would be walking Las Ramblas. I don't know how many of our listeners have been to Barcelona, but the old city down no. by the water. What, what is that lo- for those? La, Las Ramblas okay. is a long walkway. I mean, it's it's like think okay. of you know you got streets and uh, narrow streets on both sides, but it's basically think of a long walkway that goes for a mile from the water into the city, and and, and this is being Spain, you know, open <laughs> open all night. So Charles Barkley was a pipe piper. He would Indeed. go out for walks. He would have 200, 300 people following him everywhere because it's Charles Barkley. And right. he didn't mind. And 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 we sort of like, yeah, you know, for, for many, that was a sideshow. No, that, that that for me was a cultural phenomena. That was that was uh, giving credence to the point of sports being entertainment and, 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 and Barkley being the star, one of the stars of the show. And forget a moment, he, he could be, yes, he could be an ugly American. You know, they have, um, people recall he uh, gave a hard foul, I think it was against Senegal. You know, he just, yeah, one, yeah. One, one, you know, totally. Charles Angola, being, I think, yeah. Angola, sorry, Angola. No, no, no. Yeah, Charles being Charles. Okay. But, but, right. um, but people like, you know, they, this is the first time I've seen these, stars in person and they were taking advantage of it and right and i think we yes we we sort of didn't realize the impact of the dream team uh, and and what it would do to basketball and the rest of sports until after the fact no and i think competitively too i i think a lot of people didn't realize that the world uh learned and adjusted quickly where only a decade later the u.s was right back into extremely high competitive hey we can lose medals here against international teams and it didn't take long after that no 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 and the and my other one other story another story from the olympics is uh so carlo is is fourth in last olympics and he was not on he was didn't make the sprint finals he was a long jump and he went on Mm -hmm. to win the gold but he they used him in the prelims so I'm there at the stadium, Olympic Stadium, for the first uh, four by 100 prelims. And Cuba has the inside lane. And then the U.S. is in lane two, which is not a perfect, but that's Carl Lewis is running anchor. He's running, you know, in the prelims. So he, and it's Carl Lewis. So, of course, there's right. still 20,000, 30,000 people on a, on a, it was a Thursday afternoon or whatever, sunny day, you know. But yeah, you know, it's, and, and of course, uh, U.S. Carlos gets the baton. He's behind, but he makes it up on the curve and goes past the Cuban down the, and wins uh, the prelim. And so I figured. So I went looking for the the Cuban runner, the, their anchor. Mm-hmm. And I and I asked him. Said, "Did you know? Did you did you feel uh, Carlos coming down?" And he looked at me and says, 
Yes. It was like hearing a hurricane come. <laughs> fue, como, fue como escuchar un huracán. Yeah, yeah. One, one, one of the best quotes I ever got. For, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Did you know it was Carl Lewis? Yeah. You compared him to a hurricane. And this um, was, and as this you is, know, Carl Lewis, you know, in the twilight of his career, obviously. Yes, Not the, the 84 Carl Lewis, as it were. Yes, but still, <laughs> still a force yeah. of nature, literally. Indeed. Yeah, uh, and and so the the yeah so you talk about so going back tying it to the Super Bowl Olympics is a party every day because something something will happen at, at, at each sport that's worthy of admiration comment marble uh, I mean it's it's changed now with social media of course it's on Twitter right away people take out their iPhones cameras and right right. Um, Nobody has to go wait for the paper the next morning to read. <laughs> no, but, indeed. Um, indeed. But, uh, and yeah, it's again, Barcelona set the sample. I remember Nike, the Nike logos plastering the big walls. And, 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 and Barcelona is an old, uh, it's a beautiful city. It's been modernized and it's changed a lot since, well, it changed. I, my first time to Barcelona, I was 79. And then I went back 83 and I went almost every year through 92. So mm -hmm. I saw that city change, and it's changed Indeed. since then. It's even changed more. Of course, but yeah. Back then, you know, you could go, you'd be driving around and come this big mural of Michael Jordan. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and then, and, and, you know, all, all these corporate stamps that now are copied everywhere. You go to the Super Bowl, of course, so some sponsor will, buy, will borrow some wall and imprint, leave, leave its imprint on, on yeah. the site. Yeah, indeed. Well, before you leave us today, I do have a quick Jets question. I would be remiss of my Jets fans not to ask. Um, from your vantage point, um, who's the quarterback starting in the fall? La pregunta del millón. Oh, yeah. Ay, 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 ay. Are you asking me who do I want? Oh, who do I think will show up? <laughs> Whichever answer you prefer, actually. I, Whatever you prefer. <laughs> I, I think we have to watch the Aaron Rodgers situation closely. Okay. It's been done once before. Brett Favre. Of course. 2008. Yeah. And actually, it was not a bad experiment. Until Brett Favre tore his bicep tendon, the Jets uh, were 8-11. and 11. And in playoff condition, right. and he was playing well, uh, but Aaron Rodgers will come at a high price. And this is—I know the owner Woody Johnson would like to win. Yeah, and you have the—you have a good defense, and you have some young stars in offense. Garrett Wilson right. is 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 a fine. Uh, um, Brees Hall, the running back before he tore his ACL, um, was uh, reminded you of. Any great runner you want to talk about, he had power, he had speed, he had moves. Uh, he could be the next Curtis Martin for the Jets. I mean, he's the yeah. kid that has that much talent. So you have the foundations. Uh, I don't think Derek Carr's the answer. I think Jimmy Garoppolo would be a good choice, but he's injury prone. Right, indeed. Um, and you notice I'm, I'm, I'm talking about veterans. And I, I, Zach Wilson is, I think, Seth, he's young. Right. He's young. He's, he has some athletic skills. 
that I can see why he was number two choice. But I think this is what happened with the modern game. Uh, teams are kids are coming out of high school, coming out of college, uh, trying to imitate Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and all other athletic quarterbacks. And some of them can do similar kind of athletic feats, throws and stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to also master the fundamentals, your footwork. Right. The ability to throw short passes, be accurate, um, your reads. And clearly, Zach Wilson has not matured yet and he needs schooling. And Zach is not the answer next year. Um, and, but um, the, the, the Jets are building, they're, they're building a good team. And I think Joe Douglas' challenge and decision is how much to mortgage to win now. Because all of Jets fans out there, I'm sure you know, we have two streaks that <laughs> that we don't like to brag about. Longest team, 12 years without the playoffs, seven straight losing seasons. But currently, both the longest streaks in the NFL. Right. And that, that grates in some people. No, so, indeed. So it's... it's so when you're when you're getting close, there's a tension to to try to accelerate the process, and that's Joe Douglas' challenge. And uh, so all this to say is, I think we have to watch Aaron Rodgers carefully, because I think that's a viable poss- possibility. Um, and I think my next question would be, how healthy is Jimmy Gar- Garoppolo? Right. 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 Yeah, so well, you heard it, folks. folks that Clemson <laughs> thinks there's a shot for those who, just fans who think Aaron Rodgers would be a nice fit. So, Clemson, a pleasure joining us. We'd love to, uh, before you run, tell us where people can find you on social media. So, I am Smith Muniz on everything on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I, uh, and yes, uh, no, I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not, Very good. Not, not yet. Um, not yet. Yes, and I, uh, you know, I, I, I have to be careful. I, you know, I because I broadcast for the Jets, and indeed, and I've done 14 straight seasons for MLB Network. That's the Spanish language play. Uh, like right. I said, you can listen, you can listen to Bob Costas, so you can listen to me. Indeed, um, but uh, so you know, you, you, so you have to be careful on your and your comments. But uh, I will. Um, I'm looking forward to the World Baseball Classic. No, indeed, I'll be there in March. So if you go, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll yes. look you up. As and, a fan, I'll be there, indeed. And 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 um, Puerto Rico has been the runner-up the last two. Right. And so remember, we'll they they have the infield is Correa third, Lindor short, buys a second. Yep. So, and a tough draw because Dominican Republic, Venezuela, same draw. So yeah, not yeah, an easy just, one in the first round. There. No, 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 no. But um, I mean, the, see that kind of baseball. Yes, you can you can brag, you can <laughs> you you can trash talk. That's right. Can, uh, and so, I, yeah, Smith, Smith Muniz is my tag. Great. Well, hey, Clemson, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thank you, Caballero. Muchas gracias. I appreciated the talk. I had fun. I, and I um, look forward to the next time. You got it. Talk to you soon. Okay.